Welcome to the Island Podcast. Today's episode is about building on-chain and off-chain collection. We have two great guests with us today, Jean-Michel Payon and Sébastien Motabonel. So let's get started. Jean-Michel started his career in 2001 in finance working at the New York Stock Exchange. He's mostly known in the Web3 for his six years at Ledger, including the creation of their NFT Art Foundation, where he started from scratch the collection. He's now the co-founder of Grail Partners on a mission to help investors learn about digital art and culture and make sound financial decisions. He started collecting art in 2006 with street art, then moved into photography in 2010, and then NFT in 2019. Sébastien Montamodel has over 25 years of experience of working across the public and the private art and culture sector. He was previously European Head of Contemporary Photography at Philips. He then became a private strategic advisor on culture for one of the UAE ruling family and advised government in Asia and the UK. He's the chair of the board of trustee for art institution of the 21st Century Foundation and CEO and founder of the island. Today, we're going to talk about building a collection, drawing parallels between the on-chain world and the off-chain world. We will focus on four areas of discussion, the bespoke strategy and timeline, the data, access to buy the right piece and the reputation of the collectors. We are starting with Jean-Michel Payon. First, I'm very happy to be there and I'm looking forward to hearing what Sebastian will talk because, uh, uh, as you said in my intro, I, I started collecting uh, slightly less than 20 years ago, street art, uh, which was a new kind of uh, art movement. And, um, uh, and, and because it was new, it means that there is a kind of uh, a rule of thumb that you can always use when you collect art, uh, whether it's digital or physical, actually, I think. Um, and, uh, and basically, I tried to play uh, the same when I entered the NFT and the, and the digital art world, uh, also for a very special reason that was almost the same as uh, in street art uh, is that basically it's a new it's a new world uh, it's a new art segment uh, and therefore it means that uh, among the artists that you like or, 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 or try to understand the work some of them will be extremely famous extremely successful and extremely cultural significant uh, but uh, when you discover them, most of the time they are not. Uh, and that happened to me in the past, uh, again, with street art, with uh, artists like Space Invaders and obviously Banksy. And now, obviously, in NFT, the same. And the goal now for me as a collector in digital art is to do as, as well as possible as I did in street art and to find and to collect heavily the new Banksy and the new Space Invaders. Uh, so that's my that's my that's my purpose, and my first answer. Thank you very much, Sebastian. Uh, on your side, uh, yeah. you've uh, created a collection uh, for uh, institution, for private collector, uh, or even for states. Yeah. Uh, what's your big strategy and the timeline you're looking at uh, when you're building? I think which is very different from uh, Jean-Michel because when I built a collection, uh, we look in history. So we have a lot more time to reflect on, you know, hot or not hot doesn't really come into the, into the party. And, uh, and basically this change uh, everything. And, uh, and then when uh, you talk about the strategy, then it allows us to set the ambition. Because uh, out there, there's three types of collection by experience. Uh, 
you have the one that is the most widely spread, very, very, very common, and that represent probably 80% of all the collection, which is the bad one, absolutely terrible. Um, and this is quite a classic. And then you have maybe another 15% that is a quality, uh, that have a museum quality artworks inside the collection. And then you have the Holy Grail, that is roughly 5% of all the collection, which is a museum quality collection. And this changes uh, everything. And if your ambition is this, then the way you're going to have uh, access and data and reputation will have to be built uh, differently. But in my world, because we look at historical work, uh, museum, it's still the ultimate quality that you're looking after, uh, which for younger, medium, or newer movements, um, obviously, you don't have this uh, accreditation. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Sebastian. So when we look at history, uh, we're looking at uh, the, the, the space, uh, we're looking at uh, why it matters in terms of history, and we look also at data points in history. Uh, we know that uh, data and sales data is important uh, for building a collection. Uh, uh, still continue with you, Sebastian. What type of data points do you look at uh, for building uh, our chain collection? Yeah, I think, I mean, you have different type of uh, data. First, the, the obvious one, which is authentication and validation, right? Which is very different to the on-chain um, the on-chain seems to have solved that problem <laughs> quite easily, but the art world, the classical art world for the last 400 years, they're still uh, scratching their head around uh, this one. So this one is the, it, it's it's super important. Then the other things that uh, it's really important when you look at uh, an artwork, it's how relevant it is historically and how relevant is it for the collection. Uh, and uh, basically, you need to work uh, in your team with some art historian and start uh, doing some research. So the name is one thing. And then if you look at an artist, you look, not everything is equal. Uh, artists are not machine and they will have a different period in their career and some are more important than others. And inside this important uh, moments, you have also important work. And ideally, you're going to try to tick all the boxes. Um, and that's the kind of a data. And then after you have the last one, which is the price. In reality, people make a lot of a mistake when it comes to the price. They, you, you should never, never uh, compromise on the price uh, of a quality. Always quality, quality, quality. And quality as a price. A lot of people get tight at the last moment. And that's when they do their biggest mistake. Um, that, that's the way I see it from my side. Thank you very much. Um, Jean-Michel, you initially came uh, to art via the, the, the street art, the photography, and now on chain. Uh, how do you uh, differ the, the two worlds, uh, especially around data and information points into building a collection? I think um, if I may, um, if I may, uh add to what Sebastian just said, I think that uh, quality matters as well in the digital art world, for sure. Um, I think uh, that the fact that it's a new, it's a new art segment, uh, because honestly, like, if you look at NFT art history, it's uh, 
basically a three years old industry basically uh if you if you really dig into like xcopy and stuff you will find some of those artworks in 2018 but you know it's probably a two to three years industry so it's very young um and, and i agree with the ultimate you know decision making point in data that is you know quality and value in the long run uh has to be uh correlated uh and sometimes it's not in the short term uh and it also happened in the traditional art world if not mistaken when you had some kind of artist who who, who had been extremely extremely sought after for a while uh but they didn't last uh you know for too long and eventually their 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 price went down so i think and also because i'm a collector and not a, a flipper as we say so i'm basically looking for long term horizon uh collection so i'm building basically a collection for the next 10 to 20 years uh i very very rarely sell uh, an artwork um and i'm really interested in in the long run so yeah data right now are what they are uh but in terms of strategy and building a collection data plays a key role uh even though again uh, we have to be extremely cautious on the short term data and i would just give an example and i will end over the mic after that but uh i think that in digital art uh, for instance over the past six months uh, we saw a lot of uh editions open editions uh open editions in the sense that an artist is dropping an artwork uh and there is no limited supply and the supply is only limited after a certain amount of time sometimes one hour sometimes one day sometimes one week and basically uh there is at the end of the of the drop uh, there is as many editions as there was demand so sometimes you had some artwork who ended up with uh, 2k or 10k or even 20k editions and uh, data at this point is very interesting so most of the time i was looking at those open editions and i almost bought none of them or very very few uh because there was this kind of uh, extremely strange element where you had some editions that sold uh to what i find a very high price for uh you know a one out of 10k or one out of 20k uh and at the same time from the same artist you could find an edition that was of much smaller uh size like 50 or 20 or something <laughs> that was almost of the same price uh and i was really like puzzled by that and so basically I, because i'm coming from the financial industry i was kind of arbitraging that and i was deciding not to buy the open edition that I found was quite expensive and instead of what I was buying for the long run the other edition that was of a much smaller size and at the same price so what I believe that if this artist is uh, important and cultural significant uh, in 5 to 10 years uh, the later uh, edition will be much more valuable than the other one the, the new one that is uh, a bit in a, in a very formal uh, kind of thing thank you very much Michel for for this Sébastien, uh, last question on the data aspect. Um, in the traditional art world, uh, data is sometimes very hard to get, um, whereas on the on-chain world, data is everywhere. Do you think that the fact that the market 
is so transparent on chain that people have access to so many data. There is so many um, data points like bids, offers, sales, multi wallet uh, tracking. Uh, origin of form is an issue that people will get too obsessed with data on chain uh, versus focusing on quality, as you said before. Yeah, I think you know the we all know the traditional art world. It's it's quite uh, opaque, and in reality, it's a good thing uh, from my point of view. I think it, it doesn't really matter knowing what it is. It's a small world, so in reality you know more or less what's happening, especially when you are part of part of that uh, small world. I think w- w- what is really important, and there's one data that's, that, that is really important, and, and in the uh, art world, we like to tell the collectors that they've got an eye. Obviously, I, nobody really has an eye. It's what we mean, it's someone who has knowledge. And, uh, and knowledge, it's, it's often more important than knowing you know, if it's been on the market or not, it doesn't really matter if you're there for the long run. And knowledge, it's uh, it's everything. And the thing is, if you don't have knowledge or if the person that helped you to build the collection doesn't have knowledge, then you're left without an eye but with an ear. <laughs> and then when you have an ear, you're trying to look for the latest trend and, there, and, and at the end, you always lose. So... That's a different. Uh, that that's another thing. It's data is one thing. There are historical data, not necessarily on price, but on historical importance. But most important, you need a lot of knowledge to navigate uh, that world. Um, that, that's. I don't know if that answer your question, Olivier. But <laughs> it does. It, it does. It does answer the question. So now that you, as a collector, you are equipped with this knowledge and you know at least which uh, artist you want to buy. Uh, one key things, and I think Jean-Michel touched on this when he was uh, comparing different editions from the same uh, artist, is being able to buy the right piece. So how, how do you do this, Sebastian, in the uh, on-chain, uh, off-chain world? What's the technique to uh, go straight to the right piece of an artist. Well, uh, well me, uh, my technique is slightly uh, di- uh, different because we spend a lot of time in the library. Straight away, we know if we look in a particular artist, what is relevant um, to the collection, but also which work we want. So, so we are not waiting for the gallerist to come with their old stock and say, uh, what, what, what do you, you know, we have this, this. It doesn't really matter what they have. I think what, what is really important is what I need. And, uh, and this change uh, everything. And suddenly it, it will come uh, later, but that's where the reputation gets built. There's a big difference between people who say, oh, that's what we have, pick from there. And someone that comes and knows exactly what he wants. And, and when you know what you want, you know that y- you can, you, you know, you can back it up because of the research. You, you can put it in a in a larger perspective, which is the collection, and see how this works going to interact with uh, with the rest of the collection, and why you think that particular work or that that party, particular body of work uh, is the most relevant in the artist's career and uh, and in your collection. 
and, and this is really uh, important. A lot of people could be lazy or maybe they don't know and they just wait for people to offer them what's them. And um, I mean, we will come back later when we are at the reputation stage, but this is one of the biggest mistakes uh, to do. Thank you very much, Sebastian. Jean-Michel, uh, one thing that is a big difference in the on-chain uh, world is uh, DMs and direct access to the artist. Uh, uh, we still have galleries and there are, some of them are doing really a great work, but suddenly there is this direct discussion with the artist, this direct relationship between the collector and, a, and an artist. How does this help uh, you buying the right piece? Well, that's uh, that's indeed a, a, an extremely competitive advantage of uh, of digital art um, versus physical art. Oh, even though, even though, and Sebastian will probably agree with me that uh, certain collectors uh, are not uh, do not have the same level of uh, interaction with artists. For instance, if I want to collect. Uh, an artwork from a very famous uh, contemporary painter that is still alive um, and that is very expensive, I will probably not be able to get a direct connection with him or her. And therefore, I will don't have this kind of insider info uh, about his collection and which piece he prefers or, or which one is the best. Uh, that's the competitive advantage of Sebastian, by the way. Uh, myself, I don't have that, uh, but uh, some some collectors uh, and uh, have this kind of ability. I don't have. Uh, the point is that with digital art, all of a sudden, everybody can be Mr. Arnaud uh, or Mr. François Pinault and can get direct access through DMs on Twitter to almost any artist. Uh, and yes, uh, when there is a job coming, uh, probably that most of the artists, apart maybe from a couple like Xcopy and, and Beeple, because they, they are now so famous that they don't have the time to answer all the DMs. But uh, apart from very few, you will probably get the ability to interact directly with the artist. And therefore, you will get a direct insight from the artist herself or himself about uh, about the, the, the coming drop. And, you know, again, what 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 artworks is the best or or which one they prefer or or which one would 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 probably fit the best your collections so indeed this direct communication between collector and artist is definitely a, a key a key element in the digital art world i think that's also what attracted a lot of collectors uh, especially from the younger generation and also uh, from the artist, because that's also a game-changing thing to have the ability to directly interact with the the population that is collecting your art. Um, and that's, uh, that's again, something that is giving a lot of alpha, as we used to say in, in, in this traditional, in this digital world. Uh, and that's definitely something that I'm using a lot, uh, even though, uh, and that to conclude on that question, um, you know, artists are, are great to uh, talk about the heart, uh, but it's not always the best pieces according to the artist uh, that end up being the most iconic. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. And therefore you also need to work yourself uh, on assessing if this artwork uh, among this collection is the best, uh, if it fits your collection, just like Sebastian just said, um, if, if it fits with a certain story and also the iconic and cultural significance uh, will be the highest possible. 
So that's uh, really the way I, I look at things and the way I act usually when I'm collecting uh, digital art. Thank you very much. Um, uh, sorry, Olivier, I just want to yeah, add on. uh, one more thing yeah. on this. And I think that that's, that's probably one of the true difference when it comes to uh, access between on-chain and uh, off-chain. And when you are on-chain from, from where I stand, when I'm not... Uh, how do you say, very fluent yet. <laughs> um, On-chain, you can do it uh, yourself if, if you're very uh, proactive. Where in the traditional art world, access, uh, people uh, mix things, like they think they're very well connected. So basically, when the traditional art world knows that you have a bit of money and you want to spend, they will find you. Even if you are in the middle of the Pacific on a desert island, they will come and swim to get you and get the money out of your pocket. But... Uh, this is not real uh, access. <laughs> access come uh, later, like uh, after you say, when you have a true access and we're going to get back to reputation. Then finally, you know, uh, even if it's filtered via the gallery, you might have access to the artists. You might have access to uh, certain works. You might uh, get access to certain dinners. So it's a different way of, uh, of uh, getting access. There is access on both sides, but the way to get around it, it it's different. That, that, that was just a, a little... No, thank you. Thank you very much for, for, for this. Um, so, yeah, last uh, segment of uh, our talk is the reputation of the collector. And I wanted to stay with you, Jean-Michel, because um, as we are discussing direct relationship between the, the collector and the artist, um, now that everyone is a media, uh, as a collector, you also have an audience. You also have, uh, you also create content. How do you think the fact that now everyone being a public figure is important in the reputation of a collector when uh, engaging with an artist? Um, that's a true. That's a very true statement, and I think it's uh, that's also the reason why digital art is quite special um, because it uh, it basically take uh, some of the characteristics of the traditional art world uh, on one side uh, and on the other side it also takes uh, some of the characteristics of the social networks uh, whether it's twitter whether it's uh, instagram whether it's uh, tiktok um, and i'm talking both on the collector side but also on the creator side uh, and obviously the kind of influence certain collectors can have uh, on, 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 the, on the demand of certain artists uh, is actually extremely fascinating to me. Um, uh, I, I could have said that. Uh, I, I, we observed that, you know, first with the PFP craze that was around in 2021, when you had this, uh, this moment where there was a couple of uh, extremely active and, and big uh, collectors of PFPs. So PFPs, for, for those of you who don't know, it's the, the, the profile pictures, uh, mostly of animals and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and obviously, you know, the CryptoPunks was the, the, the first and, the, and the, the second and the, probably one of the most famous was the Bored Ape. Uh, and, and we had this summer of JPEG during the summer of 21 when we had a couple of extremely influential collectors and investors and flippers who were buying uh, certain collections. And just because they were collecting those collections, uh, eventually the demand was high. 
uh, both on the primary market, so when they were basically created and minted, uh, but also on the secondary market. Uh, I would say that in the art world or digital art world, NFT art, um, it's uh, also taking place. Uh, and uh, for instance, you have a couple of what we call signal collectors uh, who are extremely influential. And if they start to collect uh, an artist, uh, basically the demand uh, on this artist will increase uh, because there will be other collectors who will follow these uh, signal collectors. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, because in digital art, uh, the, the demand, uh, and the supply, sorry, is, is more limited, usually, apart when there is limited uh, open edition. Uh, normally, you will have more demand than supply, and therefore the price will eventually increase. Uh, and I've observed that on a couple of occasions. Um, I try to be cautious uh, on that. Uh, on, on the positive side, I, I like uh, to promote artists I collect, uh, but uh, it's a bit different from the PFP, and therefore uh, I, I there are some artists that I have uh, collections of, uh, but I, I am not. I'm not overexposed to one to one artist, for instance, uh, and I'm not I've not bought like I don't know 90% of the uh, existing supply of an artist's works, uh, and then promoting this artist on Twitter or Instagram, and then uh, trying to sell. And again, the simple reason is because I'm not I'm not selling. I'm I'm just building a collection for the long run. Uh, but yes, sometimes it might happen that the fact that I communicate uh, about an artwork and an artist, and I try to explain sometimes why I believe this artist can be culturally significant uh, right now, but more importantly in the future, and also why this artist uh, somehow reminds me of uh, an existing uh, contemporary artist or someone that is uh, already famous and successful. And why somehow you can drive, uh, you can you can draw sorry, uh, you can draw a, a parallel between uh, an artwork from the past and, and and from the future. I think yeah, it can have a, a little bit of impact on the market, uh, at least on the demand side. But again, I don't see myself uh, yet, at least uh, as a, a collector that has this kind of impact uh, that six five two nine. Uh, or Cosmo de Medici, or even Chomsky in the, in the in the PFP world uh, have or had. Thank you very very much. Indeed, it's true that uh, there are really uh, uh, the, the, the there is a fine line between uh, influencer and collector uh, on the on-chain uh, world. Uh, coming back to you, uh, Sebastian, how would you uh, describe? the reputation of a collector in the uh, off-chain uh, world and how much uh, noise it is um, necessary for collector to make or is it very uh, secret about the, the reputation well uh, it's two things i think as a if you high if you have high ambition for your collection uh, you would look for international credibility and visibility okay um, and, and that's that's really important because if your reputation is not up to scratch, and they know that um, you can you cannot make the difference between a good work and a bad work, you will never have access, at least on the primary market, to a good work. So if you are labeled as being blind, we you we will sell you only shit. That that's that's rule number one. Uh, good works are extremely rare and. You, you just give them 
to the best collector. So your reputation is key when you go uh, out there. So, so I think that that that's that's really important. And then once you the labeled, when you want to change the way you're getting labeled, it's very very hard. So, after the only way for you to buy good quality works will be at auctions on the secondary markets. Most of the time, this work would have been already shown on uh, you know on the private market. So you're left really with the leftovers. And behind this, after. It's too technical, maybe, but this work will have third-party guarantee. I mean, you're you, you paying massive premium just because your reputation was not up to scratch. So, so you you want to do this from the from the beginning. You want to be well surrounded, show that you have a team that uh, knows what they are doing, and if you have this, then your access will come uh, naturally. If you don't have it and you do this on a you know on a weekend, I mean, of course you're gonna lose. You, you can't expect to go into a multi-billion-dollar industry as a hobby and thinking you're gonna win. It's like me if I'm going to Wall Street, having nothing to do with finance, thinking I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do a break-in. It's not gonna happen. So the art world, it, it, it's very similar. And if you're ready to spend money then you need to surround yourself with the best people out there. And uh, and that's what's going to give you the credibility and the visibility. You can be very discreet as a collector, but your team will talk about the collection or you, you know, in the highest respect and will command the highest respect and will give you first access, first choice. Um, and that's how it works. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. Um we're close to coming to an end to this space and I would like to have a bit more of an open discussion to to, to finish this. Um, Jean-Michel, is there any collector uh, in the on-chain uh, space that you regard highly uh, that you either uh, follow or look for uh, or track his, his wallet or his vault or looking into details uh, what they are interested uh, in? Well, uh, not uh, yes, but not one actually. Um, I, actually, I'm lucky enough to to have been around for a while, and uh, I'm lucky enough to to know, uh, uh, you know, probably most of the most of the best collectors in the digital art world. And I must say that yes, I'm um, among the name I, I could give you. There is obviously Norkel guy. There is Artifaction. Uh, there is Rudy, uh, that is a little bit less visible, I think, but that has a very interesting discussion, uh, the collection story. Um, there are many actually, and I can, I can provide that in the, in the chat some, sometimes later, but, uh, uh, more importantly, I think that there is one element still to, 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 to bear in mind is that uh, among those collectors, um, uh, we are very different, uh, in terms of, you know, what we like, what we collect and, and, uh, also the kind of focus we have. Uh, for instance, myself, uh, my focus is mostly on photography and somehow gen art, uh, because that those are the two art segments in the digital art world that I understand the, the most. Um, and and my, my, my collector friends or, or, and colleagues, are some, some of them are collecting that and some of them less. Um, but the truth is that it's it's very important to because again it's a new it's a new art segment and most of the artists 
uh, have just appeared over the past two years, and some of them even less than that. So yes, I'm talking a lot uh, with some of those collectors. Actually, I'm part of a, of a group uh, that is called the Metropolitan Fund, uh, that is made of roughly 15 uh, collectors, I think. Uh, that is a, of extremely high quality, and 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 there is a high variety of uh, of origin uh, of collect of collectors, and therefore what we collect. Uh, but and but I, I'm using that group a lot because when there is a big consensus uh, among that group on a certain artist and an artwork, you can be pretty sure it will be a, sm a smashing hit. And, and just to give you an anecdote, and a concrete example is that. Um, uh, Alpha Centauri Kid uh, did a drop yesterday that was extremely successful with uh, 40, 48 artworks one-on-one -on -one, uh, who almost sold at 15, 17, and 20 plus ETH. Uh, I think he, he made a total sale of 700 uh, ETH, more than that. Uh, and actually, that's funny because I, I know Alpha Centauri Kid and I like uh, who we call ACK, but I've not collected him much. But uh, in that metropolitan fund group, uh, where we discuss, you know, forthcoming drop and and things like that, uh, there was a massive consensus and uh, extremely high conviction and, and and expectation from that group about that drop. Uh, so <laughs> I I looked at at it and actually they were very right. Uh, and again, the consensus of this crew was extremely good because because the the, the drop was a massive success. So yes, there, there are some very good uh, collectors out there already. Uh, most of them are not only, uh, they are very articulated collectors. Uh, they are not just, uh, you know, because some of them are wells, right? Some of them are, have a lot of ETH, uh, but they are not spending their ETH stupidly. They are actually, actually having an extremely good uh, taste and a very uh, good long-term vision um, and therefore, they are building, honestly, extremely uh, interesting collection in the long run. Uh, and some of them will end up in museum. Actually, some of them are already in museum. Uh, but that's a, that's a different topic, I think. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm glad you, you talked about uh, also the, this drop. It's true that there are incredible uh, uh, collectors that both from the Alpha Century Kid uh, drop. So I invite everyone to um, do your own research and uh, look at a few of those. We have 6129 Museum, we have Audios, we have OSF, we have Punk 8215, we have Yorm Tyler T67. I think what was also interesting in this drop is we had also artists uh, collecting uh, the, this job. Uh, maybe final word for you, uh, Sebastian. Uh, is there uh, some collectors, uh, maybe off chain, that um, we should look at in the way they build their, their, their collection? I know we, we had before discussion about uh, Paul Allen, uh, what Paul Allen did, but is there any people that um, uh, come to your Come, come to mind when we we speak about uh, a great collector to follow uh, in the on chain uh, off chain world. Well, I think okay, most of them who have a private museum, okay, tend to do a pretty good job. So I'm thinking of a Prada, Pino, Arno, 
okay? And you have Santander, every country, they, they seems to do very well. But I think most, I'm going to change slightly uh, the angle. I think the the on-chain community, okay, it's, from my point of view, it's a very sophisticated uh, crowd, right? Uh, in the f- because what what we've seen in the last uh, fifteen years in the traditional art world, we had a lot of the new money, m- mainly nouveau riche, and uh, the type of world they've been buying was not very sophisticated. It was actually pretty average, uh, buying painting mainly red to put above the fireplace. And uh, and I think this uh, the on-chain community, like Jean-Michel said, is very sophisticated, and and I believe in a few years they, they might um, adventure outside the uh, on-chain and and be able to be uh, bilingual. You know, go from on-chain to off-chain, and go for works that you know that really make sense. And and I think the '60s will be of a strong interest for them. I mean. In a few weeks, we're going to have a talk with uh, Tyler Hobbs, you know, that is obsessed with Sol Lewitt. So I think everything's to do with conceptual art, system, uh, systematic art, art concrete. All this, I think, uh, might have uh, a bit of a, not a renaissance, because already very strong, but uh, might get even more interest uh, in the future. So that's it. Thank you, there. Thank you very much. Um, just uh, before we end this Twitter space, Jean-Michel, is there any uh, last uh, word you want to say or any uh, news you want to uh, discuss on your side or any places outside Paris uh, people can catch you in the upcoming weeks or months? Uh, yeah. So, uh, oh my God, too many questions. <laughs> uh, I will end up. I will. I will start by the end. So yes, to uh, to 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 find me somewhere uh, beyond Paris, you will probably meet me at uh, in Lisbon uh, in a month from now. There is a non-fungible conference, which is uh, which is a relatively important uh, NFT conference that is actually extremely uh, focused on art and culture. So I, I will be around. So it's. Uh, uh, six, seven, and eight of uh, June, if not mistaken. So I will be in Lisbon. Uh, but as I'm also trying to uh, bridge the gap between traditional uh, contemporary art and digital art, uh, I will also be in Basel for the Art Basel, uh, and it will be uh, the following week. I think uh, the professional part is uh, between the 12th uh, and the 14th of June. So I will be in Basel uh, during those three days. So I will be around as well. So if you are into uh, digital art, you will probably see me at uh, NFC in Lisbon. And if you are in traditional art, you will probably meet me in Basel a few days after. Those are the two key events I will I will participate uh, in the next few months. Uh, and I think that's probably the best way to, to meet me. And obviously, you know, that's also the good thing with, with Twitter is that I'm relatively uh, accessible on Twitter. So you can... You can interact with me on, via DM if we follow each other, or if not yet, uh, we can exchange on a couple of threads about a new artist. So that's the that's my, that's the best way to interact with me. Amazing, thank you. And and you, Sebastian, you're based in London, but you're gonna also be in Lisbon. Yeah, uh, having a panel. Very similar to to Jean-Michel, we will be in uh, in Lisbon to do a panel talk on uh, how to unlock. 
museums to go and start collecting uh, on-chain uh, art. We will also pass through um, Basel very quickly, uh, early June, because after we have to go to Ibiza, we are launching our first project with the island. And we're organizing a private dinner at the Artist uh, Foundation. So that will be your first commission for the island. We are very excited about So uh, the same, if you follow us on Twitter, you will know everything about this. Uh, we do it, we're doing this in partnership with a, with a museum. Um, I don't know, very excited about this. And, um, and yeah, also very accessible. So get to us anytime. I think uh, we'll uh, finish with with this. Uh, follow um, the island to know more about this upcoming collaboration with an artist. Uh, follow Jean-Michel for a lot of uh, alpha and point of view. And uh, I think Jean-Michel, if I'm correct, you're also doing another Twitter space um, today with Super Rare. Yes, I'm, I will be doing. Uh, I will be doing uh, spaces at uh, 10 p.m. Uh, CET, uh, 9 p.m. UK time, uh, for sure with Super Air because there is a they are doing a, a, a new a new app a new drop with a, a, an artist I collect, and the artist kindly asked me to participate, which is very kind from him. Uh, it happens to be a bit late, but that's uh, that's the job of you know a collector to support the artist I collect and I like. So I will be there. That's a wonderful uh, way to. Uh to end this, uh, this space, a role of a collector is to support the artists they collect. So thank you very much uh, for your time. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we will post uh, this uh, live space on the podcast feed and it's also recorded available for, uh, for listening if you joined uh, a bit later. So thank you very much. Have a good evening in Europe and a good rest of the day in uh, the US and in America. Thank you very much for listening to the Island Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, theisland_io. underscore IO. See you next time.